20s, right around 30. I'm CBS 21 meteorologist Tom Russell. 44 now at WHP. The following program is intended to provide general information only, and its host, Tim Decker, recommends that you always seek competent professional guidance for financial, legal, and tax advice, as everyone's specific needs are unique. WHP Talk Radio 580 now presents Financial Freedom with Tim Decker from ISI Financial Group. A full hour of sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. Talking about This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio 580. Hello there. Welcome to another hour of Financial Freedom. My name is Tim Decker. Proud and humble to have been here on WHP starting over 30 years ago. It has been a long run, and uh, good Lord willing, we will continue to... Be together for many, more, many, many moons ahead. Let me give you the phone number. This program is live. Uh, in fact, we are the only live show here on WHP as it relates to your finances. <clears throat> and uh, the reason for that is I give you an opportunity to call during the show with any questions or comments because it's truly my passion to help you any way I can. So give me a call. If you'd like to discuss anything, you can reach me at 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580 or toll free. It's 800-724-5801. Again, that toll free number is 800-724-5801. This morning, we're going to pick back up uh, after the first break here with our uh, reading of Morgan Housel's list of 77 reasons why you're awful at managing money. We got up to, uh, or we got up through number 26, and we're going to pick back up um, at number 27. But again, if you have anything that you'd like to, ask of me please don't feel like you're interrupting i would love to hear from you and uh i'll help you any way i can also you can also uh also you can also <laughs> you can also shoot me an email live here during the show by emailing ffradio at comcast.net that's ffradio at comcast.net however f- phone calls do take precedence over emails i uh was looking at the sentiment indicators which i look at from time to time and as is reliably predictable when markets go down as we've seen some of this year what do you think happens to the general overall sentiment of individual investors well you guessed it fear goes up and those that are bullish on future returns become fewer and fewer and when looking at the 
Association of Individual Investors that's in Barron's every week. I was uh, reviewing that this morning in preparation for the show here, and it's all the way down to about only 24% of those individuals who were uh, surveyed are actually bullish. What do you think happens when we've had weeks and weeks and months and months of markets g going up? The opposite happens. Most people continue to want to invest and they are, are bullish. And that ties right into what you've heard me discuss before, and that is extrapolating what has happened recently over the last month or six months or even over the last two, three years and projecting that out into the future. In the world of behavioral finance, that's referred to as recency bias, the bias that we are all hardwired that we need to be cognizant of in that we believe in the world of investing that what has been happening will continue to happen in spite of the fact that that is not the case. Markets can change on a dime. They can continue to go down for days, weeks, months. However, what has recently been happening does not necessarily mean that's what will continue to happen. All I have to do is remind you, rewind back to March of 2020, when the news of COVID came out, fear went up, and during that month of March, the market dropped sharply, had a 34% decline, as measured by the S&P 500 index, a 34% decline just in the month of March in over about a 23-day time period. That, by the way, was the sharpest, fastest drop that we've seen in the history of the S&P. And then just when fear was getting rampant and most people wanted nothing to do with investments in fact many perhaps some of you actually chose to turn that temporary decline into a permanent loss by selling and yes that's a choice you make next thing you knew it turned on a dime and the market took off like a rocket and uh by about February of uh, 2021, roughly a year later, it had doubled. It was up over about 110%. So don't ever, don't ever be tempted to make investing decisions or investing allocations subject to number one, what has recently been happening, and number two, subject to what you're hearing in the news because remember market efficiency simply means markets reflect all known information that doesn't mean that market prices are always 100% right but it it the the prices of markets take all of the information that's out there including what the you know uh the expectations that the Fed is going to increase rates in March, that's not a secret. The discovery 
this past week that inflation, as measured by the Consumer Price Index over the last year, has risen 7.5%, which is the highest year over year that we've seen in 40 years. But that information is out there. It's known. What causes market prices to adjust in the short term is unexpected news. And by its very definition, unexpected means you cannot predict in advance. So as always, I encourage you to develop a financial plan, always dri driven by your goals and your objectives. Use that plan as the roadmap, as the blueprint to then build a beautiful, low-cost, globally diversified portfolio. And then thirdly, make sure, make sure you have a process, a rules-based process in place that has nothing to do and is not influenced by your emotions of fear and greed, but that you have the rules written down, you have your target allocations written down, and you have a methodology to dynamically rebalance as is needed, of course, always driven by your personal financial goals and your written financial plan. When do you make changes? You make changes when you need to rebalance, which means when you take money out, you can use that as an opportunity to rebalance. When you add extra deposits, you can use that as a opportunity to rebalance. But other than that, your portfolio should only change as your objectives and your goals change. Sounds simple, but you know what? It's not easy to execute. And that's where the value of having a 100% fee-only advisor as your guide, as your coach, to be able to, to build a barrier between you and your emotions will pay for itself multiple 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 times over all right we're gonna go to our first break when we come back we'll pick right back up again if you have anything you'd like to ask of me you can reach me at 717-540-717-540-0580 or 800-724-5801 or you can shoot me an email ffradio at comcast.net all that's trending whp580.com If you have a question about your finances or your financial future, give us a call right now at 540-0580 or toll free at 1-800-724-5801. This is Financial Freedom with Tim Decker on WHP 580. All right. Welcome back. Uh, let's go to the phones. I believe we have my good friend, Joan. Good morning, Joan. How are you? Hello. Hi, Joan. Can you turn your volume down, please? Oh, wow. I have to turn my thing down. Yep, please. That thing is called a radio, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Right now. There you go. Hi, is that okay? 
Now, now, now we can talk. Is that okay? What can I? Yep. Sounds Thank good. Thank you. Say, uh, yes, it's embarrassing to ask you this, but when when you're listening to uh, market news and stuff and they say, well, it's now down or up, say, 2% since the opening, and that was the opening that morning maybe? Yes. Yep, that's accurate. Okay. And then the closing things are from the where it closed. Right. Relative to where it opened and then the change up or down at the close. That's absolutely right. It's nice to hear the real numbers rather than percentages, isn't it? Uh, I disagree. Really? Um, Yeah. The reason why is... The numbers um, can provide a lot of unneeded fear. In other words, when you hear like a you know a seven hundred point drop on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, it sounds like a lot. It is. When you look, yeah, but when you look at the percentage, it may only be two and a half percent, which is not that much. Seven hundred points was a lot more when. The Dow was say only at ten thousand. Then that would equal obviously about a seven percent drop. But now, with it being you know up at thirty-five thousand or whatever it is, seven hundred points is you know really only. We're into the high thirty-fours, Tim. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So no, I am a huge fan of focusing on the percentage, which is accurate, versus the numbers, which can sound a lot more than what it actually equates to when you look at the... uh, Okay, and you need 20% to get a bear, right? Well, that's the technical, yeah. And 20% from where or from what? From the markets... No, it's from the market's most recent high point. And recent would be in, say, over a couple weeks or months. Yeah, um, I think the market hit uh, its most recent high like... uh, 36 and a half... Yeah, it was like early January, I believe, like around January third. Yeah. Thirty six and better than thirty six a half and change, as I recall. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're in Dow, the right. Yeah, if you had to pick one of the three major exchanges that they always do on the radio, they never give the Russell. That's more broad, isn't it? The Russell. Yeah, the Russell three thousand is right. S- if you were small, allowed only, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, the Russell 3000 is a much broader index in that it includes the Russell 1000, which is large companies, but then it also includes the Russell 2000, which are mid and small caps. So the Russell 3000, if you're going to look at one broad U.S. index, that would be the one that I recommend. If you were good, allowed only one of, say, those total four the NASDAQ and the, the the Dow Jones and the SP and the Russell, one of the Russells. If you were allowed only one, that's all you were allowed, which one would you follow as far as numbers? I know you like percentages. I learned that today. But if we're just <laughs> going to be listening to numbers, like uh, 34 and a half, 35, It'd be the Russell whatever. 3000. The Russell 3000. Yep. Really? Yep. yep. Okay. Thank you so much. Joan, i got to ask you something. Okay, sure. So I had somebody in my office uh, from Delaware. They're about three hours away. It was the president. 
no. Okay. No. No. Um, uh, these are some new clients of ours, and they are loyal listeners to the show, and they asked me about you. They said, uh, or they asked me, is Joan really as nice as she seems? I said, well, you know what? She's always very respectful and nice to me, so I'm sure she is. And they asked me if I've ever met you, and I said, no. And then I went on to say, but you know what? Next time Joan calls in, I'm going to ask her if you and I, Joan, can have an opportunity to meet in person sometime. I, I'll think I, about that. I'll think about that. I would like that. So, and and anyway. I get my old-fashioned old manners partly from J.C., huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you a lot, Mr. Decker. All right, Joan, you have an awesome day. Thanks Thanks much. For the call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah, Joan is famous on this show. She's uh, always very, very kind and very respectful. I'm not sure she got that from J.C., though. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> All right, um, before we get back into the 77 reasons why you're awful at managing money, I got two questions that were given to me this last week, and I wanted to answer them. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a frog in my throat this morning. So, got an email here, it says, Tim, could you explain on the air how these, quote, financial advisors, unquote, can claim that they have ways that you can't lose anything in their accounts when the market declines and only gain when the market increases. They only tell you the positives and none of the negatives to their plans. There are a lot of people getting duped by these charlatans, exclamation mark. Well, quite simply, when you hear the sales pitches about you won't lose money when the markets are down, and you only make money when the markets are up. Um, what they are talking about are products such as fixed index annuities. They're talking about other types of structured products uh, that have, they all have derivatives in them. And what they do, especially with fixed indexed annuities, uh, According to Professor Reichenstein from Baylor University, who has studied these very much in depth, when you give money to the insurance company, roughly about 94% of it goes into bonds, which, by the way, you could do on your own. And a big chunk of it uh, also has been paid out uh, to the salespeople in commissions often uh, this can be as much as eight to ten percent. In fact, that's paid up front before the money is invested uh, in bonds, and then rest of it is uh, you know like three or four percent is put into derivatives tied to certain indexes like the S and P. And the reason that they can tell you that uh, you'll never lose money is because they get to hang on to your money often for as long as 15 years before you have access to being able to withdraw all of it. If you take it out before then, 
it's going to be subject to surrender penalties. I've seen them as high as 15% in the first year. So in essence, what they're doing is they're taking your money. They know that they have you locked up in these uh, products for 10, 15 years because if you bail out early, guess what? There's no guarantee you're going to get all of your investment back because they're going to penalize you. So that's not getting 100% of your money back. That's not guaranteeing that your deposit will never be worth more or worth less than what you put into it. In fact, saying it another way, the only way that they will get guarantee that you won't lose any of it is if you keep it in there for the 10 or 15 years that they have it locked up. Now, most of them will let you take a little bit out each year, sometimes as much as 10%, but that means 90% of it is going to have to remain with them. So there's always a trade-off. And remember, as Warren Buffett said, putting your money in anything that is loaded with derivatives, he said derivatives are weapons of financial mass destruction. They're very, very dangerous. They're expensive. And uh, these types of products, whether they be equity-linked CDs, which is the same concept as a fixed-indexed annuity, where money goes into a CD and they buy some der derivatives uh, with some of that, all of those types of products, whenever you hear somebody say you're going to get the upside without the downside, think derivatives. And when you try to get your hands on any of these contracts, prospectus, uh, fixed annuity contracts that ultimately you will get in your hands once you've invested, when you try to read through the 40 or 60 page contract and you see how your money is locked up and is at the mercy of the insurance company and that they can change the re returns that they will give you year by year, then ultimately what you're accepting is, okay, I trust this insurance company that they're going to look out for my best interest and give me fair returns. Well, if you want to have your money locked up that long and you actually believe that the insurance companies um, are Santa Claus and you're getting all this with no fees and you know whatever you're told, please rely on your common sense. The only thing you get for free in the world of finance is nothing. All right, we're going to go to our... Uh, News break. When we come back, we'll pick right back up. Again, if you have anything you'd like to ask of me, 717-540-0580 or 800-724-5801. When we come back, we're going to pick back up with 77 Reasons Why. Powered from the L.D. Smith Ford Lincoln Studios. A lot of financial advisors won't want you to hear what we say. This is the financial show that represents you, not Wall Street. This is Financial Freedom with Tim Decker on WHP 580. 
All right, welcome back. Second half of Financial Freedom. And again, wherever you're listening from, whether it be live or via the podcast, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time. And uh, hopefully some of the things that we talk about here you'll be able to take and put to use and to ultimately help you and your family reach that experience, which is the name of this show experiencing financial freedom which means you're free from worrying about anything with as it relates to your finances because you you've taken the necessary steps to get everything in order so thank you all right let's go to the phones real quick we have jim from mechanicsmer good morning jim how are you sir and how can i help you yeah i'm doing very well i love your show thank you sir uh, my question is when i'm looking for a fee only advisor Mm-hmm. Um, do I would it normally be where they charge a uh, hourly fee or a percentage? Because the one I talked to, they wanted one point three percent of whatever you invest. Yeah, it depends on the relationship uh, and what are the services. Um, some fee only advisors will charge hourly and or a percent of what's called AUM. That's assets under management and that would entail or should entail uh, like at our firm as an example if we do hourly consulting only then you know we'll sit down with someone that has some specific questions that they want uh, my opinion on or maybe they want me to just look over what they currently have and so that would strictly be on a you know hourly arrangement but if uh, if somebody wishes to to take advantage of wealth management, not only will we look at what they have, but then we take it to the next step and we help them develop a, a financial plan. There is a, a one-time fee for that, but then the ongoing management of it, uh, which is implementing it, maintaining it, uh, handling the tax management of it, the dynamic rebalancing and all of that, uh, that involves a lot more and it's ongoing and that's why there is a a uh, fee that is tied towards uh, or tied to the value of the uh, assets so depends on the firm that you're talking to uh, Jim but um, uh, hopefully you'll find somebody that uh, whatever you need that uh, they're gonna be able to help you with that. did that answer adequately what you were asking yes it actually did I do appreciate that you are welcome. Anything yep. else? Uh, well, one other, just one other thing. Uh, is it too late to do a rollover into a Roth if I'm 68 years old? Nope. No, and, anybody can can do a rollover or what's called a Roth conversion. I think that's what you're t- talking yeah, about. Right. Are you talking about moving money from a traditional IRA over into yes. a Roth? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Nope. You can do that, and it will be taxable in the year that that it's done. So if you do it this year, obviously when you file your 2022 taxes in the first quarter of next year, that would be taxable income. Um, Ideally, the ultimate strategy for doing that, Jim, is any year where you think you're going to be in a fairly low tax bracket versus a year that you think you might be in a higher bracket, or if you believe, as I believe, that in the future there's a very 
high likelihood that tax rates are going to be higher. So, you know, even if you're in a 22% bracket or even 24 for some people or less, often it can make sense. But everyone's scenario is going to be unique. You got to look at uh, your tax brackets. You have to think about, you know, how important is it to pass money on to your heirs where they don't have to pay taxes. Because what I've seen is sometimes people uh, will, you know, we will help people do some Roth conversions now because they're concerned that if they pass it on to their kids, their income is higher than theirs is. Thus, yeah. uh, you know, they can end up paying more t taxes. So there's numerous reasons why it might make sense, but everyone's uh, scenario is unique, and you know that's where you want to work with a good fee-only advisor to help help you do some proactive tax planning. And Roth conversions can de definitely be uh, a good strategy where it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. You're welcome, Jim. Have an awesome yep. weekend, sir. Yep, you do as well. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, real quick uh, clarification from last week's show. I got another email. Um, I'm not going to read the whole uh, email, but um, basically I was talking to a caller last week about transferring an account from, I believe it was from Vanguard or someplace to F Fidelity, and he had asked about uh, the tax consequences, if if there would be, and I expressed to him that if he had his accounts, if, if it's a taxable account, if he had his taxable accounts transferred in kind, which means if the securities are not sold and they're just transferred, so the same investments are held at the new custodian that he holds now in a taxable account, that would not trigger a taxable event that would only take place when those securities uh, would be sold and then i went on to say however in an ira you can sell your investments before you transfer them if you choose to and that would not be a taxable event and so the question was uh tim you said that for IRAs, you could just sell them, and that would not trigger a taxable event. That does not make any sense to me. If you sell something from an IRA, it's taxable. The confusion there, uh, Eugene, was if you what, – what I said was if you sell your securities within the IRA. I didn't say you sell your investments and then take them out. Absolutely. If you take money out of a traditional IRA, it can be subject to tax. What I did say, however, was that if you sell the investments at the existing custodian in an IRA, just selling them within that IRA will not trigger taxes. And then if you wanted to, you could just have the cash tra transferred over to the new custodian, and that would not trigger taxes either because that would be what's called a direct transfer so i hope that clarifies that okay jc says we have another caller here let me see here we have james from lancaster good morning james how are you sir morning, how can ben. i help you 
Um, I'm good. Um, I'm curious about why the bond market is acting so historically different, I guess. Uh, when the equities are dropping, it seems like the bonds are dropping as well. I had uh, invested a good, not a good portion, but a, a, some of my money into the tips um, when they were at 52-week lows, yet they, they're dropping even further, even though we're, we're basically in, in inflation. I know some of that was baked in, but it seems like they're still going down. But the bonds, um, I've held bonds um, for a while, and they've dropped, you know, a lot compared to like when the equities have been, you know, coming down, as tax's been coming down, et cetera. You would think the bonds would go up. I mean, they spiked a little bit Friday afternoon because, right. uh, but even when the drops have been happening the last couple of weeks, they've been falling along with the equities. So I'm kind of curious why that is. Sure. The simple explanation is uh, when interest rates go up, bond prices drop, and the yield, uh, if you look at just like the 10-year government, uh, was up as high as 2% last week. It actually closed yesterday, I believe, around 1.94, if I'm accurate. Um, but what you've seen over like the last six months and uh, a good amount of last year the yields uh, at one point, about a year and a half ago, the yield on the ten-year government was down under one percent, and now it's up, you know, hover, hovering around two. So that's what drives um, uh, that price drop in bonds. Now it has not been that much. I mean, I think year year to date we're down maybe on the bond aggregate index, maybe two percent, two and a half. So yes, there is somewhat of a drop, and what what will happen, or what historically has happened, is when you see a major sell-off in stocks, and I'm talking about when there is major fear, and we've seen some of that, but nothing, nothing real significant. That's when you typically will see the, what's called the flight to safety, especially okay. in government treasuries, which is my choice. Uh, for bonds to uh, have as your your uh, airbag in your portfolio, people will panic out of stocks. The money's got to go somewhere, and often they'll pour it into bonds. And because of that demand, that will bring the yield down and the price of the bonds go up. But recently, it has simply been a phenomenon uh, having to do with you know adjusting for inflation and the yields going up but fear not because at the same time that the value of your bond and i assume you have a bond fund is that accurate well most of my bond i mean i had the vanguard total bond fund okay, and okay, then i had the okay. international i got out of the international completely at this point because okay. it just it wasn't earning anything but right right i still right. have you know a, a good bit in the uh, bnd fund Okay, which is the Vanguard Total yeah. Bond Total. Market Index. Right, right. Yeah. So what you'll n notice is although the price is temporarily down, the bonds that are maturing in that bond fund, and they're maturing all the time, they're reinvesting those at the new higher yields on what bonds are paying now. And ironically, you'll see the yield and the dividend on your bond fund slowly start going up, which will also okay. help offset that decline. So 
I would not worry about that in any way whatsoever. So the price is down, let it be down. Your yields at the same time are going to be going up. And then once those bonds have been reinvested, the prices of the funds will come back up and everything's all good, man. Well, that's uh, the second part of my question then is I still have some cash on the sidelines. I was kind of thinking we were going to um, go through kind of what we did in March of 2020 um, in terms of like a, a pretty significant crash, which I was going to add to some of my equities. But in, in the sense of the bonds, um, do you think we're at the lows now or do you think it, they could drop lower? Because I do have, I have no more idea. money to put in. You I don't have, have any no idea, idea at all? Okay. I don't know. You you don't know and you know what no one knows anybody that 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 will give you any other answer than what i just did is a speculator and a gambler and what we know when you look at the evidence trying to predict interest rates and uh, yields is a fool's errand so my advice would be take the money invest it according to your plan and rebalance as needed and enjoy your day Okay, well, I've been doing most of the stuff myself. I've been with advisors in the past, but I okay. seemingly can keep up with what they've always done for me, which in some aspects has been very little. Um, some have been better, but uh, I had some bad experiences. Um, I guess my other question is, when you talked about the, the government bonds, like I have one of the funds I have is VTIP, which is the Vanguard uh, Treasury. I don't know what the Inflation IP protected. For. Yep, yep. Yeah. So is that like what you're talking about, the treasuries, or is there a different like symbol no, or something? No, that that's you recommend? different. Um, yeah. Um, let me take this break. I have a hard break here. Uh, hang on. Right. And you can just I'll... answer it. I can get off. But yeah, if okay. you can talk a little bit about what those particular funds, funds that you're recommending in the treasuries. All right. I'll be happy to. Thanks, Jim. All right. Thanks. Old News Radio WHP 580. The following program is intended to provide general information only, and its host, Tim Decker, recommends that you always seek competent professional guidance for financial, legal, and tax advice, as everyone's specific needs are unique. A lot of financial advisors won't want you to hear what we say. This is the financial show that represents you, not Wall Street. This is Financial Freedom with Tim Decker on WHP 580. All right, welcome back. Final segment of Financial Freedom. Uh, before I go to Nick uh, from Marysville, uh, who I'll be right with, let me just uh, uh, finish up my uh, comments for uh, Jim or James. Uh, he had asked me about uh, what's the difference between a TIPS fund, which is a government bond, but it's a Treasury Inflation Protected Security Bond fund uh, that he was talking about Vanguard versus the type of bond funds that invest in treasuries that I recommend. Um, and without getting into all the details, the primary difference is a tip, which is a treasury inflation protected security. Uh, you will see its price, Jim, is going to be affected by two things. Number one, like regular bonds, it is subject and it is sensitive to what interest rates do so it's no surprise that over the last month or two or whenever you're looking at that that you've seen it actually go down but the other thing that impacts uh, 
tips, and a lot of people don't understand this, is that it will adjust in price subject to unanticipated inflation or unexpected inflation, which means it's not going to go up as a result of expected inflation. It's when you see or we experience something that the markets were not expecting. And the reason why is when you buy a nominal treasury, which right now is, you know, the 10 years yielding around 10%, okay, and tips actually have a negative yield right now. The difference between that those rates uh, is the expected rate of inflation. So if a tip right now is yielding neg negative one and a 10-year treasury plain old vanilla is yielding two, that difference is what's referred to as the break-even expected rate of inflation. So for tips to be a good inflation hedge over and above the 3% spread that you're receiving for owning treasuries, you would need to see a spike and thus inflation jump up higher than what the markets expect. So I know that sounds a little complicated, but that that really is the major difference. I like plain old government treasury funds because not only are you getting a coupon yield, but historically, and you, you know I do a lot of research, um, but when you go back and you look at down markets for equities, general tr treasuries have a negative correlation with stocks, which is exactly what you want because the treasuries are meant to be nothing more than the insurance policy on your portfolio, which means when equities go through major declines, you want those tr treasuries to not only hold up, but as they have in the past, most often gone up because it helps offset the equities, but it also gives you the opportunity to capitalize on the fact that equities are down. How? By strategically and dynamically rebalancing, which means selling some of those bonds and being able to buy more in stock. So I hope that helps. Okay, real quick, let's go to Nick from Marysville. Good morning, Nick. I appreciate your patience. Good morning. I can help you. No problem. Quick question. Uh, soon approaching mandatory uh, payouts of IRA. Mm -hmm. Do any uh, previous losses, I've, I've been always told that's treated as ordinary income. Do carryover losses offset any deductions for that, or is that treated as a different sort of income that you can't? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's taxed as ordinary income. So um, if, you're, if you're talking about losses um, as a result of selling any securities that you know have any capital losses, Capital losses on other investments can only be offset against capital gains, uh, with the exception up to three thousand dollars of uh, ordinary income. So then, I'm only eligible to declare three thousand of that as a, as a loss. What comes you, out of there? 
Yeah, well, well if you have s- securities that you have sold in the past that you have have losses on. Um, and, Correct. And do you? Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. You can use those to offset any capital gains elsewhere, or if you don't have any realized capital gains, at the very least, you can use that up to three thousand dollars against any ordinary income for your taxes. So, okay, I if, guess what if, confused me was the definition of ordinary income then, because I always treated all my income as subject. You know, losses would offset regular income only up to three thousand okay so is there anything that offsets ira money um losses uh losses inside of an ira no 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 once you take the mandatory uh distribution uh rmd right yeah anything at all um offset the tax on that as far as you know any kind of a loss that you can deduct from an ira district you know deduction or when you withdraw for an ira from an ira mandatory because of age yeah i think can offset what, that amount something something that can make uh some sense is if you do some charitable gifting that can be offset a certain amount or if you set up what's called a DAF, D-A-F, which is a donor-advised fund, often you can put together a strategy that you can put money into a donor-advised fund, which is a charity in and of itself, and you can use the tax deduction on that to help offset ordinary income. So, But okay. as always, make sure you run things by your tax advisor, please. Understood. Thank you much. You're welcome. Have, Have an awesome weekend. Well, so much for getting to the rest of our 77 reasons of why you're awful at managing money by Morgan Household. So we'll uh, pick back up with that. Had some real good calls and uh, some real good discussion. And as always, if you have anything that you'd like me to uh, answer on the show, you can email me anytime at ffradio at comcast.net. That's ffradio at comcast.net. Enjoy your weekend 